0: This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 370.
1: This podcast is brought to you by MetPro. Speak with a metabolic expert to review your current habits, discuss your lifestyle needs, and receive actionable steps toward achieving your goals, whether it's to lose weight or change your body composition. Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA to get $500 off their concierge coaching.
0: Thanks also to Athletic Greens, maker of AG1. Get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. Athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. Oh. Welcome to the MTA Podcast, where we empower you to go the distance. I'm Trevor.
1: And I'm Angie.
0: In this episode, we speak with Abdi Abderrahman, who represented Team USA at the Olympic Marathon in Tokyo at the age of 43. He's the oldest American runner ever to make the Olympic team, and he's the first runner from the U.S. to make it to the Olympics five times. And the quick tip segment is back Keep listening to the end of the episode because Coach Angie is going to share tips on coping with cold weather running. And don't forget, inside the Academy, as a member, you get access to all of our back podcast episodes, training plans, courses. Learn how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, well, it's great to be behind the mic recording another episode before the end of the year. We just want to take a moment and remember Mike Irwin, who was a longtime member and coaching client from Fort Nelson, British Columbia. Um, he had part of his right lung removed in 2015 and went on to run half marathons and full marathons and raise awareness for lung disease. On October 15th, he learned he had multiple tumors in his chest uh, and he passed away uh, in November. Here's part of an article uh, that is posted in the Toronto Star. It says, Northern Rockies mourn loss of local icon Mike Irwin. The Fort Nelson community is mourning the passing of Mike Irwin an avid marathon runner, skier, hockey enthusiast, world traveler and the face of the town's recreation center. Irwin died after losing his battle with cancer. And he goes on to say that he was a, a fixture at the rec center. And actually, as we came back through Alaska, down through British Columbia, um, we stopped in Fort Nelson. Mike was always asking us to stop and see him. So it worked out. And We had lunch with Mike. This is uh, back in what year was that?
1: 2018.
0: Yep. And then he took us to uh, the rec center and showed me where he worked and uh, let the kids sit on the Zamboni. That's <laughs> right. And of course, through the years, we've kept in contact. And he was a coaching client from time to time. And it was just really, really sad to hear about his, uh, his passing.
1: Yeah, it definitely has affected everyone in the MTA community who knew him. And just his larger-than-life personality and his love for all things running and travel, he's definitely missed.
0: We also want to take a moment to thank the Drury Hotels. Uh, They have been now a sponsor of our podcast for 10 years. I was just at the Drury Hotel this past weekend at the downtown Pittsburgh location. Some of you might know this, but they have free drinks and free food in the evenings. And Angie, the food just gets better and better. They had uh, pulled pork sandwiches. Wow. They also had baked potatoes. So I had a baked potato and cut it in half and put the pulled pork on top of it. With a little bit of cheese. It was awesome. And I mentioned too they have free drinks, which is usually white wine, red wine. You could also get mixed drinks and usually they'll have like Budweiser. But some of the locations have like a local brewery on tap and they had a Vice beer from Pin Brewery. It was killer. I like the free part too.
1: That's right. They also offer free breakfast, a great spread. Our kids through the years, have loved staying at Drury's. In fact, they're disappointed if we're in a city that doesn't have a Drury because it's their favorite spot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they have over 150 hotels in 25 states, and you can get 15% off your stay if you go to DruryHotels.com forward slash MTA. Drury is D-R-U-R-Y hotels.com forward slash MTA for 15% off. And thanks to all the listeners who have stayed there through the years with our link. And thanks again to the Drury Company for being a longtime sponsor. So before we play this conversation with Abdi, we want to give a few shout outs. Angie, what is going on out there in MTA land?
1: That's right. This comes from Farida. She's an MTA member. She says, I did a comeback race with the Dubai Creek Half Marathon and finished with a time of 2.21 after nearly a two-year break from running. My goal was to be at the starting line, completing a full training cycle, be injury-free, and find joy in running again. I am pleased to say I smashed these goals and came away with a personal best of two minutes. Bonus, I convinced my friend to train for her first half, and she's still speaking to me. I've been on a hard road of recovery for mental health issues for two years now, so this race was special to me. It's not always about the outcome. Enjoying the view and the journey is a worthy goal too. Thanks MTA for the motivation, and that comes from Frida. And we'd like to say congratulations to Yali, who's an MTA member. She recently ran the Philadelphia Marathon, and she got a PR of 23 minutes uh, with a finishing time of 3 hours, 50 minutes, and 33 seconds, and that was below her A goal. She says, I have so much gratitude for how running has changed my life, and especially training for and running marathons. Thank you. We can do hard things.
0: Ah, love it.
1: And this comes from Michelle. She says, hi, Angie and Trevor. Last Sunday, I finished my first marathon distance at a trail run. I would never ever have been able to do that if it wasn't for your Corona Lisa challenge. In October of 2020, I started that challenge after I'd just been run walking for a month. That challenge in the Facebook community changed my life. I started this year with the 300-mile challenge and worked my way up to 500 and 700 miles. For the race, I used your trail marathon training plan, and I loved it. Thank you guys for changing my life and making me a marathoner.
0: Wow, that's just amazing. Well, a lot of you know that we host these virtual runs. Uh, We kicked off the 100-mile challenge in 2020. And then we kept adding more and more distances. So it's really neat to see that that 100-mile challenge built up her confidence to take on a marathon.
1: That's right.
0: Maybe we're like making converts out there for the marathon. Think,
1: <laughs> Reel them in one mile at a time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the virtual challenge is like how we evangelize for the marathon.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: We also want to give a big shout out to Mary, who ran her first 50K at the Woodside Ramble, 50K in California. Got second place in her age group Uh, She works with Coach Athena, so huge congrats to Mary.
1: We'd also like to say congratulations to Juan. He is a coaching client of MTA Coach Kristen, and he says, I finished my first marathon last week. It was extremely hot for being in December, but in South Florida, high temperature is always a factor to consider. It wasn't pretty, but I dug deep and I pulled it off. I had a bunch of hiccups while training for the race, several injury issues and lots of unplanned traveling due to my dad's health, but I was able to make it happen. Coach Kristen was extremely patient and always put my health and well-being first. She's awesome. And he says, we can do hard things.
0: And said he's uh, signed up for the Chicago Marathon 2022. Well, congrats to all of you out there just taking action, doing hard things. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Abdi Abdurrahman. Angie, what can you tell everybody about today's guest?
1: Well, Abdi was born in Mogadishu, Somalia. He came to the United States at 16 years old without being able to speak English And he kind of stumbled into running, as you hear in this episode, which is really interesting.
0: Yeah, not until college.
1: That's right. And so he's the only American distance athlete to qualify for five Olympics. He went three times in the 10,000 meters and two times in the marathon. So an extremely accomplished distance athlete and just an amazing person as well. I think you'll really be inspired by his outlook on life and just the joy that he brings to everything he does.
0: Yeah, and you're going to hear him say Pima that's uh, Pima Community College, where he went as a student before he transferred to the University of Arizona. He also mentions the Civil War. Uh, the Somali Civil War started in 1991. For some reason, I can't think of that without imagining the movie Black Hawk Down. Um, when that happened, there were 800,000 refugees who fled to Kenya and Ethiopia because of the war. And there were also 2 million people who were displaced internally um, in the country. So here's our conversation with Olympic marathoner Abdi Abdurrahman. Okay, we're on the podcast now with Abdi Abrahman joining us from cold Arizona <laughs> on a cold day. Abdi, how you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing great, man. Just thanks for having
1: me.
0: You said when it gets to be 50 degrees, everyone gets their parkas on out there.
2: Yeah, you know, just about, the, hey, let's let's make things clear. There's a part of Arizona that can be cold. Northern oh, yeah. Arizona is below freezing, so I'm in Tucson and... When we in Tucson, that's what I'm talking about. If it was in Flagstaff, it would be super cold, one of the coldest places in the country. So.
0: But you do a lot of training in Flagstaff.
2: Oh yeah, I do a lot. Most of my training in Flagstaff during the summertime and fall. So, and then I spend some of my other times uh, in Tucson or somewhere in training camp in Ethiopia.
1: So you're kind of like a snowbird. You just like avoid the snow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, e- exactly. And I figured that that's uh past few years, I figured that out. So i become a snowbird, today, especially flight stuff. So I go somewhere warm during the winter and then during the summer, I go somewhere cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's understandable considering where you grew up. And we'd like to start off by asking you about your family's challenging journey from Somalia to Kenya to the United States. And as the oldest child in your family, what do you remember about that time? And what was it like arriving in the U.S. to start over?
2: You know, that was a great question, you know, just for me, like a lot of people end up coming to U.S., you know, and U.S. is the, you know, the land that everybody can make your dream come to. Like for me, as a young man came from Somalia, how I end up is totally different situation than the most of people because of, for me, I didn't come to U.S., one day I woke up and I say, Hey, we're going to move to the US or we'll go to America to find a better life. No, because for us, when we were in Somalia, we had a great life, you know, everything was normal. And then, like, one day just the civil war started, you know, just like a, it was like that same morning, you have to grab everything that you could a t shirt or a pair of shoes and then just, you know, flee for your life. And yeah, we left Somalia, take a boat from Kismayu to Malindi and, you know, came to Malindi at night. But it was one of a, one of the toughest journeys that what I remember, you know, just like having no food to eat, you know, just going to a refugee camp for a few months, being in Kenya for over, like, I don't know how many, like maybe a year and a half to two years, you know, just and And for me coming to U.S., when they told us, you will go to America, start a new life, we didn't know what to expect, even though I knew, I kind of knew people going to America, you know, America is the place to go everywhere, even the people that were in Kenya who are Kenyan that we met, they say, it's our dream to go to Kenya. And I say, why do you want to go to America? Because you have a great life in Kenya. There's no war. But I didn't know better. But for me, like, and that's the best thing that ever could happen to me coming to America. You know, just look at at me where I am today. And, you know, and also coming to Tucson, I remember we landed at night. And first we landed in New York and then we took a transit airplane from New York to Tucson Wow. And I saw all the lights in New York City. And then when we come to Tucson, I thought we came back to Somalia, we came back to Mombasa, <laughs> Kenya, because there was no lights.
1: <laughs> like there we're in the middle of nowhere.
2: Like a, yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was like a 1992, like you know, 90, you know, early 1990s. It was just coming to New York. We all seen the like big sky buildings, everything, and suddenly seeing the tallest building in Tucson being like a seven-story building. You know, it was totally a different change. And also, you know, going to the grocery shopping, you know, where you buy your, like, the food that you eat in most African countries, you buy the thing that you're going to eat that day. Just basically, if you're going to make a stew, just you buy the meat that you're going to eat that every day you go and you go to the store. So for me, going to the grocery and buying a whole lot of food and putting in the fridge, it was amazing. So, yeah, it was totally a different culture shock.
1: And you really tell the story great in the book, and it, you know it sounds like your parents really shielded you guys from a lot of the stress and yes. the difficulty of the journey as much as they could. You know it sounds like you have such a great family, great parents um, to do that for you.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and, and I could not thank them enough, to be honest. Like for me, looking back in my life, it wasn't the easiest life, but I never felt it was that way just, just growing up because everything, because my mom and my dad, they give us everything that we ever wanted as, as children. So,
0: And how many people in your family?
2: Uh, we're six of us, but the most okay. of them were born here. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. So tell us uh, how you got into running. And I think we read that uh, you showed up to practice in boots the first time.
2: Yes, that's true. I showed up. I showed up practicing boot. You know, I didn't want to show up the practicing booth if I look back. But uh, when I was at Pima Community College in my first years in co- in college, a lot of the kids that I came, I become friend with. Uh, they were a lot of athletes, soccer players. Some of them play baseball. Some of them be track soccer, and we always. You know, as a college, you always hang at the cafeteria. I don't know if they still do that. They probably still, you know, <laughs> during the, when you finish your class everything, you go to cafeteria, have lunch, and uh, you just sit up with your peers or your friends just, you know, before practice. And around 3.30 every day, everybody will go to practice. And I'm only the one who is not going to practice. I have to go back to my apartment or just catch the bus, you know. And, and I kind of, it kind of feels sad. And I say, you know, how can I be one of them? I want to do some sports. And at the same weekend, the University of Arizona, which is across the street from Pima, was having a track meet, and I went to go watch a uh, watch. Uh, the guy who from the CAC Central Arizona Community College was running the three thousand meter, and he was dead last, and everybody was laughing him. And I just looked at the guy, and I said, "At least I won't be dead last if I if I if I was running for Pima. At least I will beat somebody." So, and that's how I started out. Uh, next day I went to the Pima community College coach. I say hey I wanna I want to join the track team hmm. and he said, have you ever run before and I said, I never run before and he thought I was just joking or something you know like when someone comes to you and they tell you they want to join the team but they never ran before and he just he said, okay just go ahead go around with the guy he never he never looked at what I was wearing just he didn't even pay attention to it but he said go around I ran with the guys and we were, we were doing a five mile run. And I became second, only one one of my who who was my close friend now, John Lancer beat me, and he had sprinted me the last one hundred meter because I stayed with him all the way, and the coach was surprised, and the coach was looking at me and he said, you, "Are you telling the truth you never ran before?" And I said, "I never ran before <laughs> and that was the beginning of my career and when next day I went to his office and he gave me a pair of shoes, that was the beginning of my career.
1: That is so amazing. And so you graduated from Pima Community College, you transferred to the University of Arizona to run there. At what point did you kind of realize that you could become a professional runner?
2: You know, I never even realized I could become a professional runner, to be honest, like for me, like as a university when I was running, I never thought I was going to be, I remember when my eligibility was done, people like a Told me I could be a pro, and then next, and I remember like uh, one of the Nike marketing people from Nike called me, and they said, "Hey, we want to sign you as a professional athlete, pro And I said, "Wow, <laughs> I say, So it was professional. I, I only the professional sports that I knew was basketball. I knew basketball and football. So that's how it was when I signed my first contract. That, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I never hmm. even like, I'd, even my senior year, I never thought I was going to be a pro. To be honest.
0: Wow.
1: That is really amazing. So you qualified for your first Olympics in 2000 in the 10,000 meters. Um, So, you know, you're talking about how you never really envisioned yourself being a professional runner. And then to get to that big stage, how did your life change at that point when you knew you were going to the Olympics?
2: I, I hope you read. This was also in the book. But before I make to the Olympics, I make after the summer of 1999, I make at the world championships U.S. team in going to Seville. And at that time, I was, you know, I was a senior in college. That was my last year of college. So, and I never knew what the pro was. And that's how Nike found me I was going to be a great runner because they saw me making the U.S. team and they didn't even know who I was. But that's when they make me an offer. And when I get, when I get to the Olympic trials in 2000, I was already a pro runner for Nike because they already signed me. And I missed the world championships in 1999. That should have been my first US team I made. Because of when my parents applied a citizenship, they never applied for me because I was already under the age of 18. So that, okay. at that time, you have to apply your own. So for me, I assumed I was already a US citizen, even though I never applied for it. But hmm. they only took me a month or two to get it. So yeah, and I remember because USA Dragon Field trying to get me to go to Seville. They tried to get me a passport. When they did everything, they found out, oh, he didn't even have his passport. So, yeah.
1: One interesting thing that you said in the book is that if you don't have birth documentation, when you become a citizen, they assign you a birth date of January 1st.
2: Yeah, that's true. You know, just definitely, I'm a, I'm a few, <laughs> they only make like a few days young and then I am. So, but that's okay. So definitely, yeah. Like, and, and the funniest thing is, like, uh, my sister have same birthday that I do, but they were, they were born here in yeah. Houston, Arizona at the university medical center. And then whenever the people asked them, "Oh, you have January 1st birthday, they gave it to you and said, no, I was born at the university, I wouldn't have my, but for us, you can look at it, even Lamang Lopez, Ahmed, everybody have January 1st.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have two nieces from Ethiopia and they had that same issue where they were assigned a birth date, and they said they were teenagers. They said, No, this was not when we were born. So then they went through the process of changing it eventually. Yeah,
2: for me, it's okay. For me, I celebrated both. So for, for me, it was a new beginning of my life, only except my close friends know my birthday. So it just, you know, we don't celebrate, <laughs> but you know, it's steam. But I, I celebrate with that over a million people, like over 20 million people. <laughs> so it's, it's okay to be honest for me. Like at least I'm alive and I'm doing well. It's great. So yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: So I'm curious to hear, like, did you develop a love of running after you started doing it? Or was it pretty just miserable at first? Because it sounds like you just kind of got into running because that was the thing available to do.
2: Uh, you know, it, it was not miserable first, to be honest. And running never, never have been miserable to me. I love running. I enjoy running. Even yeah. through this day, even when I retire, I will, I will always be a runner. And I, a lot of people say, oh, pro this. I am just happen to be good at it, something that I love. That's the way I look at it, and I'm glad I get paid for it, and I and I make great life out of it, and I'm I can share it with the people the love I have for running, and that's one of the reasons I have a long jeopardy of running, and I'm hoping to be great for the next next cycle of Olympics. And yeah, wow. you know, there's there's a code that says, like find something you love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that's yeah. the that's code one hundred percent true.
1: Yeah. One thing I was amazed to read is that you've had the same coach during your entire career. So kind of tell us about Coach Murray and how he's had such an impact on your life and your success.
2: Coach Murray, he's like he's a more than coach to me at this point, but he's a father figure. He's, he's like my second father, and I'm close to his grandkids, to his kids, to all his family. I just I have spent like the almost like a, I don't know how many Thanksgiving with him, especially the last one I spent with him. And also, like just someone that believing in me while I was not believing on myself, you know, just something I learned from it a lot. And all the like the characteristics, the way I acted, the way I care myself, I learned from him. I know things not always the perfect, and sometimes you can have a great race, you can have a good race. It's just how you deal with it, you know. Just like mm. it's for me, yeah. The main thing is. There's a point in my life where I was struggling, but I just, hey, he said, this is just a temporary. Do you look, are you looking for a quick fix or long-term fix? You know, just, and I say, I want a, I want a long-term fix. I don't want something quick fix. If the quick fix is like, you can leave your coach, go someone else, you know? And I stuck with him through this day and like, I can call him now. I will do a workout and I will say, without even me telling him, I say, what should I do? And he will tell me the same thing that I did.
1: You guys think so much alike now. (laughs) Yep, yeah. So to get to such a high level of running and to stay there for over 20 years, you know, obviously it requires a ton of hard work, which, you know, you seem to be just love the hard work of it. But your book makes it clear that having fun is really important to you as well. So talk to people like how can runners balance hard work and fun and get the best of both worlds?
2: Running is first and foremost, a lot of people, like, and also just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the elite people, elite people, like a lot of the elite people are just like most stubborn people you never meet in your life. You know, just like for them, (laughs) it's all about, it's all about perfection. Like there's some of us who like major what we eat, like they put like the, they weigh the food that they're going to eat, what they're going to do. Like it's all about like, when it gets to that point, I don't think it's fun. And that's just my own opinion. (laughs) To some people it's fun. (laughs) To some people, it's fun, and they're doing the right thing, and they think they're living the life of they always dream and that's the life they want. But for me, when you get to the point where you're going to major, like you're going to put the food, you're going to eat, you're going to put them on a scale, that's when you lose the fun of it, to be honest. That's number one. And also, running is something that makes you happy, and also it makes you happy when you pass the first five minutes of running. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the first the first five to 10 minutes is the hardest part of it. And that's always been my advice. You know, just when you break that sweat and you just move all you warm up, you were planning running a mile, you might end up running six, seven miles. Yeah, exactly. And and that's something that I learned about running and I love. And I just like, sometimes I don't feel like running. I never, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I say, oh, I have to run today. But in the back of my head, I say, even if I don't feel like, let me just go run a mile. And that I have done that many times. But when I go outside the door, I know I'm going to run more than a mile, even though if I don't know, I will end up running more than a mile. I'll power at least six, seven miles. And that's the fun part of it.
1: Is that what you're talking about in the book when you talk about the five rules you live by and one of them is give yourself 10 minutes? Is that just kind of getting out the door?
2: Exactly. The first, yep.
0: (laughs) So where do you like to run? You just leave your house and just go through the valley there?
1: Yep. I just leave my
2: house. Just like sometimes I don't even make a plan. as usually like, a, you know, I live like close to the mountains. I live close to the river path. Like it's not a it's a wash. So we only have water during the monsoon season. So, you know, just, I don't know where I'm going to end up going, but sometimes I just drive out the gate and I can't tell someone I'm going to go run. I'll just end up somewhere in town to run. That's it. I'll just decide while I'm driving.
1: And maybe that's part of the fun for you is kind of spontaneous yeah. and however you feel like that day.
0: Yep. So you've been to five Olympics. Do you have uh, one of those Olympic tattoos with the rings and stuff? <laughs> I,
2: don't know. I don't have one. And I always say I will get one, but I just like, I'm not a tattoo person. So, and yeah. I say, you know, and I remember saying uh, before the Olympics, and I say, if, if I make the Olympics in 2020, I will have 5 rings and I will put each ring the year that I've been to the Olympics yeah. which is amazing it will make different will separate me from other people For sure. But now I need to come up with another idea. I don't know if I make <laughs> the 6 Olympics what I'm going to do. I might just have the flag. I'm I might have the Olympic flag that's just the whole flag and the rings and then have the years inside. So it will be creative but I don't know if I'm going to do so just something to think about. It.
0: <laughs> you can have the 5 rings inside another ring and then I <laughs> yeah. could say one ring to rule them all.
1: <laughs> like the Lord oh, of the yeah, rings? definitely. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's <a> great. <laughs> just keep adding rings for all the Olympics that you keep qualifying for, right? I know, yeah.
0: <laughs> do, do you enjoy going? Um, like, not just the competing, but the actual experience? I'm sure the answer probably is yes. But, like, the, you see the same people, you know, and kind of it's like a big family every time you get to go to the Olympics?
2: Oh, man, yes, I love it. The yeah, Olympic is just one of those, like, only only few of us get to make the olympic team you know represent your nation and your country and your family but for me to do it five times is amazing and i loved it and just for me seeing the olympic committee you know the people who work for seeing oh i am (laughs) here just saying hi to everybody it's always amazing and also you know building friends like from other country you know just it's it's amazing
0: Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Quick break to thank our awesome episode sponsor, MetPro. They are metabolic experts who can help you take steps toward achieving your goals when it comes to losing weight, changing your body composition, and just all around dialing in your nutrition.
1: That's right. I've been working with a MetPro coach for a good while now. And I recently just started working with Coach Angelo. And I'm so excited about that. We actually were on a call right before we started recording this episode. And definitely feel like I'm in good hands for the next phase of my training and nutrition. So I'm really thankful for everything that they've done for me.
0: How special are you? You get to work with the co-founder, Angelo. I know. <laughs> is he just as enthusiastic as he is uh, on the podcast?
1: Yep, definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this guy loves his work, and they're really good. Like like I said, they are experts. They helped Andy drop her marathon PR all the way down to 319 and qualify for Boston. Just awesome stuff. Speak to one of their experts on a free consultation call when you go to metpro.co forward slash MTA. If you decide to work with them, you can save $500 on their concierge coaching if you tell them we sent you. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. Quick word of thanks to Athletic Greens, makers of AG1. It's an all-in-one nutrition supplement. It'll cover all your bases with one healthy green drink. has 75 vitamins and minerals, but the magic is how you feel after you drink it.
1: Trevor will now do an interpretive dance about how he feels about AG1. Yep.
0: <laughs> Insert enthusiastic dancing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like the fact that it supports better sleep quality, helps with recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science, and they do constant product iterations and third-party testing. So they're really dedicated to having the best product out there.
0: It's got over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now you can reclaim your health. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. Make it easy. Go to Athletic Greens. You get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA4. So do you have any thoughts on the Tokyo Marathon at the last Olympic Games? I've always wanted to hear like what was going on between Kipchoge and Rupp. And Kipchoge's like, doing this thing with his hand <laughs> and then Rupp just fell off after that. What, whatever yeah, happened you know, with that? I don't know. To be honest,
2: like sometimes a lot of people make up something and I have read about it, you know, just people make up some stuff, you know, just at the end of the day, you know, and I love people, you know, that's what makes us great. You know, a lot of people, everybody have the right to their opinion. They weren't there. They weren't mm. running the race. They don't know what Kipchoge and Galen talk about it. And, you know, I don't think Galen did anything wrong. He, he hold this ground. He was trying to stay with him. And maybe Kipchoge just, uh, I don't know what he didn't like about it. Maybe he didn't like, maybe he was si- sitting behind him and he was staying relaxed. And sometimes as a runner, if someone behind you all the time and they're not making any moves and you think they are feeling good, you always tell them, he say, hey, come and help me out. And that's happened at the races all the time. Hmm. And maybe when Kipchoge tell him, say, hey, come and help me. That Maybe Gelendier want to do anything because he's there to win it. He's not there to help anybody. And this is a race you're going to do whatever it takes to win a race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For it, for you just to sit there and wait your chance to take the lead, you're going to do that. And I would have done the same thing. Yeah. But I think Kipchoge didn't like it, and Kipchoge, he's, you know what, at this point he's the greatest marathoner at that time, and he didn't like it, and he said, hey, I don't want this guy to be coming next to me at the, the last 5K or 1K, so I'm going to make my move, and he probably did this. <laughs>
1: Oh, how much talking goes on during races? I mean, because I know you've said in the book that, you know, a lot of times you're talking to teammates and it seems crazy to think that you guys are running that fast and still able to like carry on conversation.
2: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of talking going on sometimes, you know, like, especially like at uh, the latest stage of the races when you three or five people together and you're trying to help each other. And if someone is struggling, say, hey, let's, let's work together. Let's help each other. So, And it's not a contact sport. It's sports. Everybody want to win. But you know what? Let's help each other. Everybody can do well unless the best men win at the end of the race. That's mm-hmm. how it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. The marathons are great people, to be honest. No one is a bad person in the marathon. So just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we finish, we all like applaud each other, respect each other, and appreciate each other. And, you know, we always... and. And that's why we were so respected to someone like Ipchoge or like, you know, just anybody who does marathon because we know how hard it is to run that fast and how hard it is to train for it. We see the finished product, but just imagine how hard he trains to run that fast.
1: To yeah. make it look so easy.
2: To make it look so easy. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's not easy, but to get to that point where you come to the world stage and make it look easy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just people never thought about it. They always see the... Fast times, two hours, two hours, two minutes, but they don't know the hard work that goes through. You always see the finished product. We don't see what, how they scratch, how you build that, that mean machine. So, mm. and that's why we respect them a lot of the guys. Yeah. So.
0: so, speaking of that, you've got teammates that you've trained with also in Ethiopia, it sounds like. And maybe you could talk about that component of your training how important has it been to go over there and and to to train over there
1: and before that even in mammoth lakes you know the just kind of the power of having people that you're training with
0: you know in marathon you know to be successful
2: you need a you need a training group you need people who better than you or just or equal to push Mm -hmm. you to motivate you sometimes you know like as i say sometimes you don't feel like running but if you are like a five or six groups of you who is Doing the same thing, you're not gonna feel flat. All of you guys in one day, each day someone is, you know, someone is doing well, better than the other, and and also the marathons. Each people have their weakness and strength. Hmm. Some people are good in sprints. Some people are good in hills. Some people are good in the long runs. There's a lot of component that goes into building a team, and that's why they have great teams in Kenya or in Ethiopia or our group in Mudana team in Ethiopia, me, Mo Farah, Bashir Abdi, Abdi Nigeye and so many young guys up and coming. You know, we help each other. For me, I'm good in hills. Like, when it comes to hills, I'm just always good at it. Abdi Nigeye is good in the sprint. Mo is good in, like, a long tempo. So, we all help each other. We all benefit from one another. And that's why we have a great, even though and my best Olympics have to be not my best, but when it comes to result wise, I loved it in Tokyo because one of my two of my teammates went one-two. Because and I know how hard they work and I was part of their success because we trained together and we all help each other and we motivated, even though I might never run as well as they did, but I was part of the training group.
1: Hmm. And that was a really inspiring moment to yeah. see the second place kind of encourage his teammate along to get third yeah. place. So that was Yeah, but
2: that's my team. You know, those two <laughs> yep. guys, Abdi Nigeya and Bashir Abdi, they're two Close friends of mine, and I know I have known them since they were young boys. Like I remember them coming asking me autographs, you know. Just and for me to be in the same race where they where they went one, two, yeah, yep. And also we always say like it's always great to win, but winning with your friend is the best.
0: Hmm. Those guys are from Belgium, right? Abdenegue is from Holland.
1: No and
2: Bashir's okay. from Belgium, but okay. we're all from Somalia.
1: Right.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we all, immigrated, we all immigrated to different countries of the world.
0: As is Mofara. As
2: the most part, yep. Cool.
1: Do you guys speak Somali together or? Oh, yeah, all mean, the time. That's awesome. <laughs> I know all you said in the is. book that you uh, speak Swahili as well from your time in Kenya.
2: Oh, yeah, I speak fluent Swahili too, yes.
1: Well, it sounds like you're really working to pass on your knowledge and experience to the next generation of runners, you know, being part of that team mindset. And I would guess that you bring a lot of enthusiasm and fun to the experience as well, you know, as well as just having been a runner for so long.
2: Yeah, you know, definitely. And that's, and that's one for me. We always trying to keep it fun. We like we enjoy life, you know, like yeah. we, we live in a, one big house. We share a lot of the food and, and running is always also enjoying life to be honest it's not about running 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 all the time like if you're not having fun and your mind is being occupied 24 7 about running it's not fun anymore but for Mm -hmm. us we're trying to do something outside running we play a lot of games when we're home so we're trying to be more than the runners and all of us do different things outside of running so we have our own little thing going on so yeah
0: so what's your what's your little thing the, that you do outside of running?
2: Me? Like, outside running now, I'm, I'm like a big brother in a boys and girls club. And I also just started oh, cool. coaching uh young high schools, high schools in Tucson. So, you know, just trying to... That's awesome. Yeah, just trying to pass my knowledge and also motivate them and also tell the kids. It's not all about running fast. It's about, yes. you know, just loving it for me. Just like, uh, you know, the coaches just like they take a clock and they always expect you like one thing they all care about is how fast you can run. For me, I try to make them fun. Uh, The slowest way to the fastest guy, I want to make them feel equal.
1: Mm -hmm. That is awesome. We talked a little bit about the five rules that you live by. So can you talk about the other ones? We talked about the give yourself 10 minutes, um, just getting out the door kind of thing. What are the other ones that um, you found to help you be successful?
2: Uh, You know, just like a short-term memory, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the races, you can have a bad race and just give up. And don't even think about it, you know, just that will affect you. And yeah. also like having a great race is, you know, if you have a great race, you'll appreciate it. You'll celebrate, you know, just like it should be equal. Hmm. That one bad race should not define you. Just don't get too high. Don't get too low. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. So it's it's just simple. It's just like a, it's an easy thing. Yep. And, and also have a short memory
0: mm-hmm. and
2: not giving up. <laughs> right.
1: Definitely. And you seem to have a very balanced approach when it comes to listening to your body and when it comes to injuries, giving yourself time to recover, because I'm sure it's really hard to make that call to pull out of a race, especially the bigger races that you run. Um, Oh, yeah. How have you learned that over the years? Because I know a lot of runners will try to run through injuries and it just doesn't work out very well, usually.
2: Yeah, for me, I learned that from my coach. And that's something my coach teach me. And he said, you know what, If, if something wrong with you, uh, and and this one of the five rules, like a long term, I'm mm-hmm. um, not short term, you know, not in for the, you know, like a shortcut or just like a, just you don't think about it like today. You have to think about tomorrow. You have to think about like how this is gonna affect your career. Mm-hmm. Because like a, uh, for example, for me at the in 2016, I have uh, I was in such a good shape, and I think I if I would have run the trials, I believe I could have made that team, and I would have been a six time Olympian. But it didn't happen. But what happened was I took a time off, I let my body recover, and I did a, I ran New York City Marathon, and I finished the podium. Yes. Yeah, just listening to my body, you know, just let it recover. Just And if I would have run the trials, and I wouldn't like worse, my injury maybe would have stress fracture, I would have put me a few months out, I would have not, I don't even think I could have even made it to the Olympics, I would have just have risked everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What else do you do to help yourself recover when you feel an injury coming on?
2: I just take a time off just like there's no substitute for recovery and letting your body rest because at the end of the day, we human beings we're not a machines. And when something is coming up and you don't feel right, or just like you have a back problem or just like a little hamstring problem, the best thing that you could do, let your body recover. And that's, and that's where my secret. And even like, like yesterday and today, I have a little hip flexor. I don't know what it is, but I've been having problems. So I didn't run yesterday. I didn't run today. But you know what, and I'm already feeling better today. I could go around, but I'm going to give it one more day. I must,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'll jog tomorrow, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, see how I feel. And then I go from there, instead of being like a pushing, pushing and the injury can yeah. get can get worse and take it three or four weeks to recover. I'll, I'd rather take two to three days, than three to four weeks.
0: Did you do anything uh, today and yesterday? Any kind of cross training or No, exercise? I didn't do
2: anything. I, I went to the U of A, I went to go get treatment.
1: Mm-hmm. see
2: a physical therapist, yeah, that's it, and he's telling me I'm doing the right thing and it's healing, he did stretch, that's it. No activity,
0: nothing. Well, I didn't do anything yesterday either.
2: <laughs> okay, we're well, in the same boat. About
1: <laughs> well, one thing you two have in common, I was reading in the book, is that you're a really slow walker, <laughs> and your your friends will tease you about how slow you walk, and Trevor wow. here is a snail that's, too. <laughs> that's
0: good to know.
2: That's okay, you know, just uh, I'm not in a hurry. If I'm in here, I'll get there. And I give myself a time, so I know how slow I am. At least I'm not gonna hide that. So at least I will be there on time, though. <laughs> People always ask me, "Your is at twelve thirty. Why are you going there so early?" And I say, "Yeah, because you know I want to take my time. Why? Well, I'm not gonna run there."
0: <laughs> I like it. So, as a master's runner, and for anyone listening not familiar with the term, it's anybody over 40 is considered a master's runner. I I don't, we are. <laughs> I don't know why that number is so low, but uh, do you I have like any-
2: it though. I like it though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is
1: fun. Yep.
0: fun. Yeah, I do too. Do you have any advice specifically for master's runners how they can just stay in the sport uh, for the long term?
2: Just you have to let it go. You're not as fast as you used to be. That's the one thing. Don't live in the best. Mm
1: hmm.
0: So you know that you're slower than than you were 20 years ago, but you're not letting yourself obsess about that or let that nope. define you.
2: I, th- that's 100%. I'm not a runner. I, I was four years ago, even two years ago. Hmm. But one thing I know is I'm wiser and smarter.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't underestimate the power of just being mentally sharper with age, you know, and having that wisdom and experience that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and and at the end of the day, but the older you get, your body, you're not gonna be able to do what you used to do, like a five, six, ten years ago. You know the workouts, everything, and that's where the people lose lose their confidence when they see their speed is declining, their intensity is declining. But the thing that they don't know, they're stronger. The workouts are. Nothing. If you can do the half of that work workout, what you used to do, you can maintain that fitness maybe a couple more years. You can extend your career like five years, six years. And mm-hmm. then when we get to 50, that's a totally different story.
1: I, I tell runners that, you know, when you're a runner, you can really enjoy getting older because you get into that next age group. And there's, yep. you know benefits that come with that Well <laughs> oh, definitely yeah yeah
2: for me definitely yeah and I, and I love it for and I'm looking forward to it to be honest like a lot of people when they get old they kind of like they say oh my god this is it man but for me I'm looking forward to it. then I say oh man what I'm capable of doing I'm trying to find out what I can do I know I'm not going to train as hard as I used to like you know I'm not going to do the track workout like a 430 420 mile no I don't even get close to that stuff now and it's fun because I know just now I can do something that I enjoy so easy. I can do a race pacing instead of doing a 30-second fast in the race. Just, there's a lot of things that you could do.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever done an ultra marathon?
2: I've never done an ultra marathon, but that's something is in my mind. I want to do it one day. I'll just, you know, just as a runner, you always, to be honest, like I have I've known Jim Wormsley
0: okay mm-hmm.
2: and he's a great guy and i see what he does he, he came to the marathon trials and people make this big deal out of him coming they thought he was going to make the team so why not i'm going to get that kind of hype too when i go to the trial. <laughs> when i go to the ultra they think oh i'm just coming he's going to break the half 100k world record you know just that kind of stuff yeah then see how well i do
1: you'll take the trail exactly. world by storm i think <laughs> so do you have any races on your calendar right now that you're looking forward to this year,
2: I haven't raced that much last almost a year and the last two years since the trials. And I haven't, I was just giving myself, you know, just trying to recover mentally, physically, mm-hmm. because everything that was going on in the world, to be honest. And yes, I got injury almost the 2020. I have like stress fracture. I can't even believe that I make it to the Olympic the starting lineup just because the window that I have to get ready for the Olympics. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this year. I'm excited. I have a few races coming up, but like New York half, I might do Doha half. So, just other than that, just get get back to shorter races. Just, uh, you know, sometimes I haven't done like a, any shorter race, half marathon, things like that for a while. So, mm-hmm. and I think this is going to set me up good to qualify the Olympic trials. I'm not going to say I'm going to make an Olympic team because I know how hard it is to make. My goal is to, to qualify the trials. How about
1: yes. that? Yes. I want to
2: qualify the trials.
1: That yeah. would be awesome. I say
2: road, road to the trials. People say road to Paris. I say road to the trials.
1: One step at a time, right?
2: <laughs> One step at a, I will never get ahead of me. So if I get to the trials and I don't make it, I'll be happy. Because I, was, I wasn't like, hey, I, w- I wasn't looking to Paris. I was looking to the trials. And that was my first goal. And after trials, if I make it and I say, okay, now road to
1: Paris. And I think that's probably one secret that, you know, you're able to stay laid back and have fun in life is that you're focused on what you need to do, but not looking too far ahead.
2: No, yeah. Just like you, you get distracted. If you look at two things, like a lot of people don't realize the Olympic Olympic trials is the one of the hardest races, even it's harder than the Olympics. A lot of people don't Mm. realize just because like we have like how many athletes, 300 plus athletes is almost as many people as the Olympics, even double the Olympic people. Mm-hmm. And they only take three people. Yeah,
0: the whole that's a lot of yesterday. pressure.
2: A lot of pressure. And some people they already thinking about it. You run it one good time. Suddenly you think you're guaranteed to make, but you don't realize there's 300 people want the same thing, same thing that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And they even some of them wanted more than you.
0: And, and it all comes down to that one day.
2: Exactly, one day does. Yep, one day it doesn't matter if you're not feeling good, if you're having a bad day, if you have it one day. You ready or not? That's it. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you get yourself ready for something like that? Like mentally? For
2: Actually, you know, it's just something that you just have something that I learned from my coach. I just I just focus one day at a time. I don't even think about it. Just, you know, for me, like a two, three weeks out of the race, I just, every day, I just focus on that day. Like every day, just one day at a time. I never say like okay. a two weeks out because I know, because I have faced before, like, well, I said, like a month out of the race, I say, hey, I'm going to make it to the Olympic team because I'm in such a good shape. But you know what, what happened? I ended up not even starting the race.
0: Hmm. And what about, okay, on race day, like at the trials when there's all of these people, and only three can win and go to the Olympics. And so how do you deal with the pressure while you're running and the nerves and the anxiety when you're on the start line, trying to start something like that?
2: Oh, just like I don't even sleep night before a race. To be honest, that's how nervous I am. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm nervous. right? I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm even warming up. Sometimes I say, How am I gonna run this race? I'm not even like you know. Just my body's not responding to the warm up. But after guns goes off, everything goes away. I don't know. I go different. I don't know even how I got it. Sometimes I even question myself and I say, How did I felt so good? It's just like I just go for it. And I just after that, my, I, I tell myself. Doesn't matter whatever happens, I'm gonna be top three, and I'm gonna be one of those three guys. And whoever gonna come to fourth place, I don't know who's gonna be one, two, three. I'm gonna be one of those guys. That's it. And I tell, (laughs) I just focus, lock, and that's. And I just go. And I have done that the past five Olympic trials I've been to, and I've been successful, all five of them.
1: Yeah, it clearly works. I think it's going to encourage people out there who get really nervous about their races to know that someone with your experience also gets nervous and helps you feel that you're not so alone when you're out there. And, you know, maybe you're trying to PR or even do your first marathon to know that it's normal to be nervous. And you can use that to fuel a good race.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's good even to be nervous, to be honest. Sometimes I feel like, and there's a few races that I've never been nervous but I never did well. Like it never went, never went well. And sometimes like if you train something for so hard and you put so many work into it leading to that race, you're going to be nervous day before the race because you know how much work you put into it and you you want to succeed. Mm-hmm. But if you don't care, if you don't get nervous, sometimes I feel like you didn't put as many work and you know the result. is say, oh, I'm not just, I'm just going to hear running today. That's it. You're not nervous. You don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good sign. <laughs> Well it's been great talking to you, Abdi. If uh, people wanna learn more about you and follow you online, where can we send them?
2: Uh sell so the Abdirons. They can just like Runs. That's like Abdiruns.com And my Instagrams, Abdirons, Twitter runs, Runs, yep.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, we encourage everyone to get a copy of the book. It's a very interesting read and you know, also very motivating. So yeah. I was fired up after reading it and we really appreciate you putting the time and effort into it.
2: Well, thank you for having me again. It was real nice chatting with you guys.
0: Thanks to Bombas for sponsoring this podcast. Bombas' mission is simple, to make the most comfortable clothes ever and to match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. I love my Bombas socks. They're so comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. Concerning the socks, there's tons of options. They have comfy performance styles with the sweat-wicking ability, and they also have those no-show socks that'll never fall down. And they have underwear, underwear that's so breathable, you'll feel like you're wearing nothing at all. And what's cool is that when you buy a pair of socks, they'll give a pair of socks to someone in need. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. Just go to bombas.com slash MTA. Use the code MTA for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S, bombas.com slash MTA and use the code MTA for 20% off. All right. Well, big thanks to Abdi for speaking to us on the podcast. It was an honor. It's really cool to talk to somebody who you've watched on TV, you know, on primetime, on the Olympics. Not just once, but several Olympics. That's
1: right. And I think people are really going to enjoy his book. It's called "Obdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running and Fun. And he gives lots of examples of how he makes that happen in the book. And I really like the fact that he seems like a person who really wants to make the world a better place. In fact, one of the quotes from the book that I love, he says, I resolve to share positive energy with anybody I come in contact with. Even if I disagree with you about politics, religion, or values, we are still in this life together and can find common good. I may not change the world in some dramatic way, but I sure can make it a better place for myself and those around me.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Well, now it's time for this episode's quick tip Angie's going to talk about coping with cold weather running because we know that many of you right now are dealing with cold weather where you live. So, Angie, coping with cold weather running. Have you been out to run in the cold lately?
1: (laughs) I have. You witnessed my struggle this morning to get myself out the door. It was in the low 20s this morning here in Pennsylvania, and I just did not feel like going out in the cold to run. So... I, you know, had that mental struggle that some of us have before we get out the door, but then I just started getting my cold weather running gear on and made myself get out there and, of course, was glad that I did.
0: How many miles did it take you, though, until you were glad that you did?
1: Usually it takes me at least two or three miles before I feel thoroughly warmed up, especially in cold weather. So you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of time.
0: Well, Obdi kind of said that, too.
1: Yeah, he did. <laughs> That's right.
0: It takes him a little while to finally get into the groove.
1: Exactly. So, I thought we'd give you some cold weather running tips. Um, the first one is to consider the temperature plus the wind chill. That would be the feels like temperature. So, there's a lot of handy weather apps that you can look and you can see the feels like temperature. This will make you more prepared in terms of your gear choices, um, especially and also considering the length of your run. If there's a lot of wind chill factor out there, You know, you might want to consider looping by your house, um, just in case you're going to need to add or subtract something to your running apparel. The second thing is that if you're not a bit chilly in the first mile or about the first 10 minutes of your run, then you're probably going to be overdressed. I've heard it said that you should dress as if it's 20 degrees warmer. But of course, this depends on each individual person because we all handle the cold differently. Some of us like the cold bit more, and some people like warm weather running more. So you kind of have to know yourself. Also consider where you usually get cold. Is it your ears, your hands, your feet? Not all of us get cold in the same area. So for me, my hands are the first thing to get cold. And once they're cold, they rarely warm up again. So I always need a good pair of gloves. Otherwise, my hands will turn into these frozen claws and (laughs) it makes... Just the rest of the run miserable if my hands get cold. Remember, what's cold to one runner might be warm to another. In our conversation with Abdi, he talked about 50 degrees being parka weather for him. He lives in southern Arizona. And what's cold to someone in Florida may be warm weather to someone from northern Canada. So it's just, it's all relative.
0: Yeah, what's cold to me is like t-shirt and shorts weather for our youngest son.
1: Exactly. Like we have to force our kids (laughs) to wear even like a hoodie out sometimes in the winter.
0: 30 degrees and rainy in Pittsburgh over the weekend. He's like walking around in shorts. <laughs> Never complained one time. I know.
1: Yes, it's all relative. And I'm sure people can relate to this. I've been to many races and marathons where you see some runners that are in shorts and maybe shirtless or just with a, a sports bra. And there's others that are in the full jackets, tights, beanies, gloves, etc. you know, so... There's just a wide variety of how we react to the cold. Also consider the length of your run. If you're going out for three miles, you'll probably be okay if you're either a bit too cold or a bit too warm. However, if you're gonna be out there for 90 minutes plus, then being too cold or too warm will be much more uncomfortable. In cold weather, you really need to consider your hydration and fueling needs. Even though you may feel less thirsty in cold weather, the dry air can actually be quite dehydrating. And you may notice that your lips get extra chapped or your skin feels tight and dry. And plus your body has to work harder to stay warm and it burns through more fuel. So be sure to plan your hydration and fueling needs accordingly when it's cold, you also want to consider the safety of the running surface. If you live in a place that only gets occasional snow, you'll probably be fine using a pair of trail shoes with grippy soles. We actually don't get that much snow here in central Pennsylvania. So you know, I just wear my trail shoes out if we get snow. But if you deal with frequent snow and ice, then something like yak tracks may be a good investment to give you that added grip. And also don't discount treadmill running in the winter. It's not wimping out to opt for a treadmill run
0: no that's what I did
1: I know that's why I said that
0: (laughs) I'm becoming more and more thankful for that machine
1: (laughs) yes kind of grows on you after a while and for a bonus tip Get out of your sweaty running gear immediately after a cold run. Put on something warm and dry, even if you're not planning to shower immediately. This is going to help regulate your body temperature and help prevent you feeling chilled the rest of the day. And people are thinking, oh, that's gross, not showering immediately. But I often do like back to back workouts. So I'll go for a run, grab a a quick snack, and then head down to strength train. And so I don't want to like totally, you know, shower and go through all that rigmarole. But I also need a dry outfit on before I strength train or I'm just going to be chilled. And that's not a great way to go into your strength training workout if you've got goosebumps and your teeth are chattering.
0: Angie said she heads down to strength train because all that stuff is in our basement.
1: That's right. We've invested in a home gym over the years and it has paid dividends. (laughs) So great job to everyone who is venturing out on cold weather runs And of course, if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, also good job for getting out for the warm weather runs and, you know, your turn will come soon for the cold weather stuff.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. If we can help you in any way, please reach out. We have a contact form on our website where you can send us a message. Just go to MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Happy holidays to everybody out there. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life.